Welcome to the Bible Brush Up, a podcast created to aid you as you work through the various books of the Bible. Previously, we called this podcast 90 Days New because we were working through the New Testament uh, together as a church body, and those who were listening in outside of our church were also following along with our reading plan. Uh, but we've switched gears since we completed 90 Days New. We moved to what's now called the 12-week Torah. We are looking at going through the first five books of the Old Testament in a 12-week time span. Uh, but rather than just continue to change the name of the podcast every time we move to a new reading plan, I'm calling this from now on the Bible Brush Up, and we'll just have mini-series within this podcast. And so this is a look at the Torah. We're going to introduce that word, that topic today, and just get some groundwork laid before we venture off into a full-blown uh, reading of the Torah, which will begin this Sunday, the 15th. We'll begin reading, and it'll take us all the way right before Easter. We will conclude the first five books of the Old Testament. Now, I can't emphasize enough how important reading the Torah is, and we're going to finish today by talking about some of the reasons why we should look at the Torah, why we should look at it. But let's back up a little bit and say, what is Torah? Well, I've already told you it's the first five books of the Bible. Uh, the Torah is the Hebrew word that was used to describe these writings of Moses. And we know that Moses didn't write every single word in the Torah because his death is recorded in the Torah, and you can't write about your own death. Um, and so there's probably been some... Uh, other contributors, like probably Joshua, was one to uh, uh, fill in the final pages to show uh, what happened to Moses and what the conclusion was at the end of the Torah. But uh, for the most part, these are considered the writings of Moses. That's what um, Jesus referred to when he would talk about Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, or Deuteronomy. Uh, those first five books. So that's what is being um, talked about when they mention the law. In fact, if you look in the New Testament, this phrase, the law and the prophets, shows up about 10 times in the New Testament, the law and the prophets. And that's a way of referencing the law being the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, and then the prophets really represent everything else in the Old Testament. And so there's this breakdown between uh, law and prophets, and that's what the Old Testament is composed of, the law and the prophets. Um, beyond that, and 10 times, you know, you may say, well, that's not very many times. Well, over 200 times the law is referred to by itself, not always in the context necessarily of um, the law as a set of writings, but certainly a lot of those are a reference to the law as a set of writings. Sometimes the word law is referring to the actual Ten Commandments that were given, uh, but, but because they were given within the Torah, it sort of represents those writings as a whole, and oftentimes when he's referring to the law, he is talking about everything. He's not just talking about the Ten Commandments. He's talking about all the instruction of the writings of Moses. And so the law sort of becomes a synecdoche, which just means it, it is a part that represents a whole. And that word law represents the whole Old Testament at times. So to say law just means the Old Testament. Um, in fact, when Jesus said he came to fulfill, not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it, he goes on to talk about how he's fulfilling not only um, the Torah, but also he mentions the prophets there in Matthew chapter 5. 
And so this shows us that the law can represent all of the Old Testament as well. Um, but that word law most naturally refers to those first five books of the Bible. So Genesis, the reason we call the first book of the Bible Genesis, it actually is a Greek word. Uh, it's, we're dealing with the Hebrew Bible, but for whatever reason, we now use Greek words to name some of these books. And so Genesis is the Greek word for beginning, which is easy to understand. Um, most people certainly, as soon as they think of Genesis, think of the creation of the universe. And that's the beginning of time, the beginning of matter, the beginning of space, the beginning of everything that we know. And that's certainly true. But you also don't want to overlook the fact that it also records the beginning of God's people. Uh, the beginning of his called Abraham, the father of the Jewish nation. And so you've got all these beginnings taking place here in the book of Genesis. The second book that we'll read through together will be the book of Exodus. That's another Greek word that means to exit or uh, it might mean departure. And we see in that book a departure from Egypt. The Israelites are called out of Egypt and they um, cross over the Red Sea or through the Red Sea as it's parted, and they end up in the wilderness. Uh, Leviticus is the next book, and then obviously the word Levi is important for the book of Leviticus. It shows up in the title there, and the Levites were the priests, and in the book of Leviticus we get a lot of instruction for how the Levitical priesthood is supposed to function, what their duties were, and why it was so important for the Israelites as a nation. Um, the fourth book in the Torah is the book Numbers. Now, you may say, that doesn't sound very Greek. It's not. Uh, the Greek word that originally was associated with this book was arithmoi, and that's probably where we get our word arithmetic, and so it certainly means numbers, and it is derived from the fact that there are two censuses taken in the book of Numbers. Uh, so there is a numbering of the people twice, and uh, because of that, they referred to it as the Numbers. However, the Hebrew title, though it once was referred to as Numbers in the Hebrew language, they later began to call the book uh, Be-Midbar. Be That's hard to say. Be-Midbar, which is the Hebrew word for in the wilderness, because this entire time they are walking around in the wilderness which is probably a cooler name and a more appropriate name than just the two censuses that are taken. And remember that these biblical titles of these books are not divinely inspired. God didn't tell us what to call these books, uh, so we could have named them anything. Um, so if you want to call it numbers, that's fine. If you want to call it arithmoi, that's fine. Or if you want to be really sophisticated and go around and tell people, let's do a Bible study. Let's study the book of Bebmidbar then you can do that too. Maybe I'll preach over Bebmidbar someday, and we'll really get uh, familiar with that Hebrew word. Uh, but then the last book of the Torah is Deuteronomy, and Deuto is the Greek word for two, and then Onomy is derived from the Greek word uh, for law. And so we have a second giving of the law, because the first generation that received the law back in Exodus, they have died out. They were not allowed to go into the promised land, but this new generation who has who raised up and has continued to follow uh, Moses and now Joshua soon to be around, uh, they receive the law for themselves because the law is, as we'll talk about later on, an agreement. 
a it is a covenant agreement that the first generation agreed to and they failed to live up to it which is why they didn't get to go into the promised land but now this new generation has arisen and they have to agree to it and so there's a second giving of the law and they are going to agree and they are going to go and cross the jordan river and go into the promised land um, and so that's what the names and titles of these books are. Now, to finish off today, I would like to talk about why it's so important that we study the Torah. You may say, I'm a New Testament Christian, and there have been popular preachers who have gotten a lot of publicity by saying that we need to unhitch ourselves from the Old Testament, and we see Paul talk a lot about uh, how the Judea, uh, the Judaizers of his day were not letting go of some of the Old Testament modes and forms of worship that were so central and important to them in their Old Testament setting and context. And so you may be saying, why in the world do we want to waste our time reading the Torah when we are not Torah people? We are New Testament people. And I'm going to give you several reasons why it's very important that you continue to study the Torah and the entire Old Testament as a whole. For one, it undergirds the entire New Testament. It is very difficult for you to get through the New Testament without properly understanding the Old Testament. There are so many assumptions by the New Testament writers that you understand the Old Testament. And so they don't always explain everything completely. They are working and operating on this assumption that you know the law of Moses, that you know what the prophets said. And so for you to be ignorant of those facts and those events of the past really puts some gaping holes in your New Testament theology. And so it's very important that you come to the New Testament with a very well-rounded understanding of the old. It helps us see the whole picture is another reason why I think it's important that we study the Torah. The Bible is this grand narrative that has a beginning, a middle, and an end, just like any other story. And to ignore the opening of the story, and really most of the story, most of your Bible is Old Testament. The Old Testament is significantly larger than the New Testament. And so you're missing a lot of the story if you do not read the Torah and the other writings of the Old Testament. Uh, the New Testament depends on the Old Testament, and, and that's sort of what I first said. It undergirds it, but I, I want to emphasize that a little more and press a little further. Um, oftentimes, the New Testament is developing ideas that began in the Old Testament, and so if you don't understand what those developments were and why they fell short in the Old Testament, you don't see the significance of their fulfillment in the New Testament. Uh, and furthermore, so many passages in the New Testament are quotations from the Old Testament, or they're allusions to Old Testament events, people, places, or things. And if you don't have that understanding, you don't recognize those, you kind of miss the point. And even more importantly, sometimes a quotation that comes out of the Old Testament is only given in a short, abbreviated form. You may get one verse. But what you're supposed to do as a New Testament reader is bring the entire context of that Old Testament passage being quoted into the reasoning and argumentation of the New Testament writer. So he may quote something about a shepherd, but 
you've got to go back and find out what the entire context of that chapter in Ezekiel talking about the shepherds is to fully understand what it was that Jesus was getting at when he talked about the shepherd. And if you miss that, then you miss Jesus' whole point. So you didn't fully get the meaning that was intended for you when he made that quotation and used that quotation from the Old Testament text. And so you really need to go back and study the Old Testament, understand it well before you get into the New Testament. In fact, it's been said, this is a, a saying that I think you should write down and you should commit to memory, that the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. And I think this is kind of the glory of looking at the Old and New Testament together, is we watch how God operates and how he moves from one point to the next. And I think that is sometimes just as important and just as glorifying to God as the thing that he does in the end. Uh, let me give you an analogy to point this out. If the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed, we can view this like Christmas, where there is a box under the tree it is wrapped. We don't know what's in the box. It's a surprise. We may be analyzing the box if it's in the shape of a... Uh, like one, one year I gave my um, father-in-law a sledgehammer, and I just wrapped it as it was. And so it was pretty obvious what he was getting. You could pick it up. It was heavy. And so it was concealed, but it wasn't like really concealed. But sometimes I get tricky, and sometimes I will put a small item in a big box, um, and that will kind of throw it off. So there's some mystery there. And I think a lot of the Old Testament material is packaged in such a way that sometimes it's greatly concealed and sometimes it's fairly obvious. The fact that Jesus would come and die on a cross, that the details of that were sort of obscure. They didn't really know that the Messiah would come and die. In fact, that threw them for a loop. They did know that the Messiah was going to show up one day and he was going to set everything right. That part was fairly obvious. That was like the wrapping up of the sledgehammer. Um, but the fact that he would come and die first, that was the mysterious wrapping. But as we read the New Testament and we look back at the Old Testament, some things begin to make sense. It becomes clear. Kind of like if you shook the box uh, that had the small thing, and you were hearing the sound, and you didn't quite know what in the world is that, but then after you open it and you see it, you're like, ah, that makes sense. Uh, that's kind of how it goes. Or maybe it's like a movie. You know, sometimes you get a movie where there's um, a twist at the end, and um, maybe it's like a murder mystery, and at the end it's the uh, like 80-year-old grandma who's the murderer, and the whole time you didn't re really suspect her because... She's the sweet old lady. But then when you go back and you think about everything that she did, that creepy laugh and how she was skulking around the corner in the dark, and you're like, oh, wait a minute. Now it all makes sense to me. Well, sometimes the Bible's like that, um, that there are these nuggets and these hints within the Old Testament that by themselves weren't enough to help you draw the full conclusion. But then when God reveals it in the New you go back in and connect the dots, and you're like, oh, that makes perfect sense. And so it's good to have that Old Testament there to, to watch how God has worked, to, to watch how he has progressively revealed himself 
to the New Testament audience, how he has revealed all his character and all that he's done through the fulfillment of the Old Testament. There have been occasions where around Christmas time I will wrap, I remember wrapping a box within a box, within a box, within a box, within a box. And so the fun of that gift, I don't even remember what the gift was. The gift probably wasn't even important. What was important was the way it was packaged. And so the person I gave that to would know that I cared about them because of the effort and the creativity that I put in the packaging. And that's what we're missing when we ignore the Torah, when we ignore the Old Testament, because that's God's packaging. That's what God has done to lead us up to the New Testament. That's how the big reveal takes place. And if you don't focus on that, if, you're, if someone just went and said, hey, uh, Greg got me uh, this gift, and they said what the gift was, they wouldn't appreciate the process that I went through to put it in all of that packaging. That was the real gift not just the thing that was in the last box. And to ignore the Old Testament is just to look at the gift that's in the last box. And of course, the New Testament gifts that are uh, relayed to us are certainly worthy of mention in and of themselves, but I think they become more glorious when we see how God has brought us from the old to the new, and we can see his glory displayed like that. So that's why I think it's important we read the Torah together, and I look forward to walking through it in a verse-by-verse fashion periodically uh, as we did with the 90 Days New Testament reading plan. And we will begin that, as I said, this coming week. See you then.